0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. David Nixon, BYU TV football analyst, former BYU linebacker. Joining us now on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. David, good morning. DJ, how's it going? It's going well. You better say hello to PK or he's going to haunt you the whole interview.
1: Well, here's the thing. With PK, I never know if he's on or not. He's always doing remote stuff from his houses. He's out golfing. I never know if he's co-hosting or if he's just taking another day off.
0: Wow. Another day off. That's what am impressive. I, a retired NFL player? Oh, <laughs> nice. You're an entrepreneur. Uh, hey, do you know what his, almost, do you know what his almost, nickname for Lone Peak High is? Have you ever heard that?
1: No, I should know because I got my, my nephews to play there. What is it? BYU Alpine. (laughs) (laughs) Solid. fitting as well. (laughs)
0: BYU Alpine. That always cracks me up. All right, let's get to BYU Provo. And I think the thing that most people want to know about the Houston game, you know, is a nice start and they're up 14-3 and Houston takes control of the game. And... A year ago, I think most people agree BYU loses that game. Do they turn that around because they have more talent? Do they turn that around because they have more experience? Than they've been in that situation. Are they turning that around because they're better coached or because there's more trust between the coaches and the players and they can all pull together? You know, when the game's hanging in the balance. Or does it really go to some some basic flaws with Houston? And it was a good matchup for BYU, and they just they cashed in on those. And in another situation against another team, they wouldn't have gotten it done. How many of those things are true? Which are most important? Why did that game turn around? Because that was weird to give up a twenty-three unanswered points and then score twenty-nine unanswered points.
1: Yeah, I think it's literally I think it's a testament to kind of all of what you mentioned in the sense that. We've seen this BYU team, in fact, the same thing you have against UTSA, where they were struggling, and, and a BYU team in the past might just fold. Uh, but this team with the veteran leadership that they have, uh, and I think what they understand what they have on the line, I think these guys rallied around each other at halftime, uh, they, and they're specifically in the fourth quarter and just said enough is enough. Um, but I really have to give credit. I mean, I think Kalani and his staff have taken a lot of heat over the years uh, you know, specifically what we've talked about, the bad losses they've had uh, the last two or three years. I think they deserve a lot of credit in this game, uh, particularly on the defense side of the ball. And it's been well noted now, but BYU switched to man defense, uh, man-to-man defense there in the second half. It completely shut down uh, the Houston offense. I mean, you've seen the stat, five drives. Their last five drives that Houston had, they produced eight total yards. I and mean, it's just incredible. It's incredible what BYU is able to do. Um, and a lot of it was due to to -to man-to-man defense. I went back and watched the whole second half in particular, the whole whole game defensively, uh, but I I paid close attention to that second half, and they went man-to-man on the outside. You saw Chris Wilcox um, defeating their best receiver, Stevenson, but then what happened is they kept the linebackers that comboed the running backs, so they kept them inside the box, which is what was hurting BYU in the first half. The linebackers were having to walk outside the box uh, to be able to get to their zone drops, and doing so – Houston was able to gash him with the run. So uh, the, the adjustment in the second half was go man-to-man, bring the backers inside the box, go to a four-man front. So they took out Max Tooley, who was kind of that fourth uh, defensive end, and, you know, the defensive end, that fourth down lineman, and substituted him with Alden Topa, who's a true defensive end, and that made a huge difference as well. So got to give credit to the coaches. I know this is something that uh, a lot of B O E fans give him flack for, is they struggle to make adjustments during the game. Uh, and it was nice to see and very refreshing to see him go out there and make that big-time adjustment to switch to man. Uh, and you saw Kalani mention the postgame. He goes, listen, a lot of people around here say that BYU can't run man-to-man. He's like, well, we proved that wrong tonight. You could tell it was a little bit of a chip on his shoulder uh, that they uh, that he was he, with him making that comment. Uh, but it worked, and to his credit, it worked. And here's the thing, going forward for this BYU defense in particular, if you're an opposing offensive coordinator, good luck, right? I mean, now now you've got to face BYU's own defense that we know is – Produce, produce results, the whole drop eight, but also they've shown on film they can, they can uh, roll out a man-to-man defense and be effective at that as well. So uh, credit to the coaches, credit to the players for, for sticking with it because obviously on the road uh, against a tough Houston team, it's, it's easy to get down and just kind of mail, mail it in and pack it in and call it good. But the team bounced back, like you said, uh, you know, 29 nine nine points. I don't care who you're playing against. That's pretty impressive to rally off that many that many points in a row.
0: What does a healthy Chris Wilcox mean for this defense?
1: Man, it's huge. Uh, watching him, I mean, I think that's one of the main reasons that he, uh, you know, they were able to go man-to-man. There's a guy who's a veteran guy who sat out last year because of injury, um, was there with the team, you know, trying to provide that leadership while during his injury, but also watching film. Uh, and this is a guy who's long. I mean, he's, he's 6'2", 6'3", but very long, uh, and, and it's tough. I mean, if you're a receiver, if you're under 6'3", Good luck. And you saw the way that he, he he positioned positioned his body there on the sideline, and drew that offensive pass interference. Uh, the very next play, they went out of again, uh, and, and he came up with a big PBU. So uh, it's huge. And I think once again, coming into the season, we knew that with BYU, right? I mean, Chris Wilcox was still nursing his injury, but you had Chris Wilcox at the corner. You had Troy Warner a senior at safety. You had Zane Anderson, a senior at safety. Uh, and then, of course, you've heard about all these young kids coming through including now Micah Harper, the freshman that unfortunately got thrown out because of uh, targeting, which I think is a bogus call. But, uh, you know, he's he's all of a sudden risen up in the last few weeks and played tremendously on the outside of the corner and very physical. So that secondary, that's something that BYU typically we can't say, right? Uh, Usually we don't have the best secondary in there. We're not known to be one of the stronger units on the team, but that's how it is this year with that senior leadership. And you've got bona fide athletes back there.
0: So more surprised by young guys stepping up there or more surprised by young guys stepping up at tight end?
1: Well, I mean, Micah Harper is, I love watching him play because this kid who's a freshman, he's not afraid to come up in the box and hit. I mean, there's been a couple bubble screen plays, a couple flight sweeps where uh, he comes flying in from his corner position and he's laying the wood. And it's been fun to watch him uh, come up and, and force the run. Uh, but I'll tell you with that tight end position, I mean, those guys, credit to those guys for stepping up when Matt Bushman went down. Um, and I think they've kind of risen. Isaac Rex. You have know, of course look at, at uh, Mason Wake. I mean, he's kind of that hybrid fullback tied in position. But um, you know that, that those guys have stepped up as well. And it's been fun to watch those guys. I mean, you saw Isaac Rex come, come down with a big play uh, on that reverse flea flicker back to Zach Wilson. Uh, they, they, they went for a huge gain down towards the goal line. So. Um, you know, credit to them, like I said, for stepping up. I mean, that's that's BYU football, right? You, you've got to have a tight end. That's that's how the BYU's offense typically works. You've got to have a strong tight end. And when you do, you look at the offenses in the past for BYU. When you have a strong strong tight end, then obviously the offense can roll from there. Uh, and, and that's what's happened this year. You've got guys that are stepping up. And it's been fun to watch. I mean, this offense is clicking. I and mean, here's the thing. The reason it's clicking, you've got a guy in Zach Wilson who is just so far along with, with his mental game. Uh, but in the fact that he doesn't miss a lot of reads and, and he's finding his open receivers and sometimes their windows are very small and he's still finding a way to fit the ball in there. I mean, 25 to 35 for 400 yards, uh, it's impressive. And it's, he's not only is he doing it against Houston, but he's doing it week in, week out. And I think that's why now you're seeing the national hype behind him. But um, it's, fun, it's fun to see him at quarterback. He's making smart decisions, 12 touchdowns, one interception on the whole season, which is obviously a phenomenal ratio. Usually you want to see four to one and, and he's obviously well past that. What type of concern do you have on the short yardage situations? Because that wasn't very good. Yeah, it was bad. That was real bad. Um, it was frustrating because when BYU went for the fourth and one on the goal line, they went with, uh, they hit it off to Mason Wake and he, there was no lead blocker and they tried to force it inside. As you mentioned, where BYU was not having success. And, and when you go back and watch the film, Houston was doing a good job of submarining. So on the hike of the ball, uh, Houston defenders would just cut out BYU's offensive line's legs. Typically that's a sign of, listen, I can't beat you straight up man-to-man, so I've got to do something to take your legs out and create a pile here uh, that then my backers can flow and clean up the mess. Uh, and so I-, I don't know why BYU tried to continue to stick with that inside run, especially because earlier in the game, Lapini Katoa scored on a touchdown, which was outside stretch play. And so uh, I don't know why they-, they felt like they need to go back to the well on that inside play, inside zone, and uh, inside lead, but I would have, if you go with that play, just just give it to Algier, who's obviously a strong back, and lead Mason Wake up and get that extra blocker. But don't give it to him; try to catch him off guard. So, uh, you know, later in the game, they went to the outside screen screen game to Dax Mill, where we've seen where they motion him in, uh, and then it's just easy, you know, the under center going off to the side, and he transits him for a touchdown. They block it up well, so uh, they started to attack the edges later in the game. But on that on that one. Uh, series when they kept going back to that inside run and just didn't work and it was baffling that that was their play call on fourth down so listen players there's a lot of things they get to learn uh you know watching film and i think coaches do the same thing i think they'll go back and say listen that, against houston in particular it didn't work and so obviously it's not working against somebody else in the future we gotta we gotta abort and uh go another direction
0: our defense is going to sell out to stop dax mill now 184 yards that's just a huge number
1: I mean, that's the crazy thing about this offense, right? I mean, for the first few weeks, it was Gunner Romney. we got to sell out the stock, stop Gunnar Romney. And then, of course, Gunner goes down with a, with a hamstring. Uh, I think he's going to be okay, It was what we're hearing. But uh, I think it was more of a tweak than a pool. But, uh, you know, you, you got him, and then all of a sudden Dax Milne steps up and goes off uh, for 180-plus yards. And so, uh, you know, I, I think with this offense and with Zachary in particular, the way he's distributing the ball, it's tough to go You know, focus in on one guy. I mean, I think in this game, he had eight different receivers uh, that he that was able to get the ball to. Uh, and so this goes to show you that, okay, you want to double-team Dax on the outside, great, then I'll find Wake or I'll find Rex um, or I'll find Neil Pau or whoever else is left, right? And I think that was the thing uh, in, in credit to Zach is, is Houston dared BYU to, to throw the ball. And they, they at certain times, they lined up eight, nine, ten guys in the box. Uh, and going back to your question earlier, um, PK, they, that's what they did on the short yard situation. They had literally ten guys in the box, which is insane. And, of course, BYU had, was in 13 personnel, and they had it in there packed in tight. But uh, still crazy. That's, they're they're you know, trying to dare you to throw the ball. And so now you fast forward to the game, and Dax would have one-on-one on the outside – Repeatedly, and and Zach made him pay. And that's what you do. I mean, you watch da- you, you watch Dax Mill's release and his route running. Uh, it's pretty spectacular, and the way that he's able to stack the DB. So he he beats him on his release, but then he stacks him so the DB is now on his com- completely on his back. He's not on his hip, but he's on his back, uh, which allows Dax to really control it. He can slow down and create some separation for the ball, which is what happened on a third and fifteen. Um, and so he's just a savvy route runner, and uh, you know, and, and once again. Dak realizing he's got one-on-one on the outside. He had some confidence in Dak. So they've got that relationship, as we know. And, uh, and he, he was delivering dimes throughout the night. So it's a tough offense. Yeah, pick your poison right now uh, because if all of a sudden you, you keep two safeties high, uh, then, then you've got a lighter box and then you start to gas him with the run. So um, right now this offense is clicking. It's, it's pretty fun to watch.
0: So probably collectively over the course of the season, BYU is receiving as much love and attention nationally uh, since the the days of Bronco when he had that phenomenal streak of four consecutive seasons of double-digit wins. And we're discussing scheduling, you know, should they go easy or easier anyway, but what does that do for recruiting? Because kids want to play big name games, big name opponents, and all that stuff. So I don't know if there's an easy, just definitive black and white answer. But what are your
1: thoughts? I think there's a happy medium. I mean, obviously this year BYU uh, the schedule they're playing currently is is not what, at least what I would not want to see moving forward. Uh, for you know to BYU, scrap all the P5s and just stick with a G5 only type schedule. It is fun to be nationally ranked, but once again, even this year, the whole rankings is funky because the you know the Big Ten and Pac-12 aren't playing currently, and so you know you can't take too much uh, credit into into what that looks like. But I would say there's a happy medium. I, I think playing six, seven AP fives is is a little too much, um, uh, you know, week in week out. Here's the thing that's that's tough: is look at Tom Homo. when he scheduled, for example, the Minnesota game this year. Obviously, it's not being played, but when he did schedule it. Minnesota, and this was six or seven years ago, was just kind of a mid-tier, actually probably lower-tier uh, Big Ten school. But then all of a sudden they get P.J. Fleck, and, and uh, they've got, he all of a sudden recruits some great players. And next thing you know, they're one of the top-tier Big Ten teams uh, finishing the top 25 last year. And so uh, it's tough from a scheduling standpoint for Tom Homo to go after some of these P5s thinking, okay, well, I'm going to do a couple big powerhouses like the Wisconsins, USC of the world. Uh, then I'm going to try to get some Tennessees in there as well. It's tough because any given year, those teams, the teams that were bad, you can all of a sudden become some of the best teams. And next, thing you know, you've you've made your schedule that much tougher. So, I would ideally like to see probably three or four, and obviously try to space them out, which I know is difficult given the fact that you know those guys are going on to have their own conference schedules. But I'd say three or four, and then you then you get to Boise State and maybe get a couple Cincinnatis, and then you kind of finish it up with some more cupcakes. I mean, I think a well balanced schedule is it because. If you abort the whole, if, you know, if you discard the whole P5 schedule, then like you said, uh, you know, the, the kids aren't going to want to come because you tough to recruit with that. And uh, then second of all, of course, BYU, they want to be in a P5 program. And so uh, you, their whole purpose is to go out there and show they can compete with the big boys. And so if you're not, if you don't have those guys on your schedule, then uh, you can't show the country that you deserve to be in a, in a P5 conference. So, You've got to find a happy medium. but I do think seven or eight guys, you know p fives a year is is a little too much, and it's just it's just too tough for for I think BYU at its current state. I mean, once again, if you get into a p five conference, uh, then you can start to recruit to that. But in the meantime, you're kind of in this no man's land, which makes it pretty difficult.
0: What's your sense of BYU fans? Would they show up for the lighter schedule? I mean, this year attendance doesn't really matter. It's limited or there's none at all, and we all understand this is different. But in a quote unquote normal year, would people show up to see Texas State or UTSA?
1: Hey, as long as you're winning and you're ranked, yes. And I think that's the biggest thing is you've got to go out there and win, right? It's like Al David said, win, baby, win. I mean, that's what it comes down to. You've got to go out there and take care of business. And if you are ranked 12th in the country, then you know this week with only 6,000 fans, I think I've talked to a couple of people that have tickets and they're chomping at the bit to get to the stadium. Uh, and it's Texas State, a one-in-five team, right? So if you're you're winning and taking care of business in your range and you've got that buzz surrounding you, I think people will come out to whatever game is is there. But if you have a losing record uh, and you're struggling and and you can't score, as we've seen years past, against Wisconsin at home uh, and and elsewhere, then, yeah, it's going to be tough to get any type of attendance. So uh, you just got to (laughs) win. you got to take care of business. And I think, fortunately, I think Kalani's got – Uh, these guys believe in themselves, and I think he's built uh, the program the way he wants to. I mean, keep in mind this offensive line, we've talked about this offensive line, and frankly, a lot of these players, because of the missions, a lot of these kids uh, that Kalani has recruited are just now becoming upperclassmen, and and these are finally his recruits because it takes time, obviously, for kids to to work through the system and go on missions, come home, redshirt, grayshirt, whatever it may be, and then finally contribute. So uh, he's he's finally getting his own guys in the positions he wants them to be in, and, and they're finally having some success. So um, you know, I, I think for that reason, the program's heading the right direction. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Zach if he leaves after this year. I think Jacob Conover, uh, we, I saw seeing him out there in pregame uh, warming up. He's got a nice cannon. Uh, he looks good. So, I think he's kind of the heir to the throne. Uh, Bailey Romney will probably have something to say about that if Zach does leave. But um, I, th- I think they're in, a, in the right spot and in, the right, in a good position uh, moving forward. I think they've got some good talent. and um, They're now starting to – we talked about this a few weeks ago, right? You've got a lot of – you had a lot of freshmen on this squad this year, or excuse me, a lot of junior seniors that started as freshmen, and, and now they've worked their way through, and there were some growing pains with them as younger kids. But now you've got the program where you've got these freshmen sophomores that are getting some playing time and garbage time, and they're learning, and now when they become upperclassmen, they'll be ready to come in and jump right in and not have to go through those same growing pains. So I think the program's heading in the right direction in that sense.
0: Well, David, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again next week.
1: I like it. Sounds good. Take care.